All right, well, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 21. Hold your place at verses 30 and 31. Uh, we will uh, uh, read that here in just a few minutes. An issue that uh, seems to me that a lot of Christians struggle with is the relationship between human effort and the power and will of God when it comes to outcomes in the various endeavors of our lives. Whether that be our relationships, whether it be parenting, whether it be our uh, careers, our financial well-being, or whether it is something like the, our fruitfulness as a church or our fruitfulness as individuals in uh, reaching people with the gospel, uh, whether it is contending for things within our culture, whether it is working for the good of our city, our state, our, our nation, in every area of life, we have visions of a preferred future. And often, hopefully, if you're a Christian, you believe that those visions you have of a preferred future are God-inspired visions. But then we wrestle sometimes with whether the fulfillment of those visions is a matter of good planning and strategy and hard work on our part, or whether, you know, our effort really has very little impact and it's all up to God. And I've seen over the years uh, a few errors that people make on this issue. And uh, one of them is this. People sometimes will conclude that because God is sovereign and omnipotent, what they do or don't do is of little consequence. Uh, that is uh, erroneous uh, thinking. And then the other error that I've seen is people determining that you know, it's kind of difficult to understand how the power of God works. It's, it, it sometimes is a bit beyond our comprehension. You know, from, from our vantage point, sometimes it looks a little bit random. We see what we believe is the accomplishment of God's will in some situations, and then we look at other situations, and it seems like God's will is not done. And so we determine that it's all just a little bit too difficult for us to figure out and so what we kind of, and it's usually subconsciously, what we determine is that we're just going to have to rely uh, on ourselves, that it's all up to us. Whatever the preferred vision we have for the future, it's on us to make it a reality. And this is also uh, an error. And so today we're looking at Proverbs chapter 21, verses 30 and 31, and these verses, these Proverbs deal with the relationship between God's power and our effort. And even though they're just two short verses, there's a lot contained in them and uh, quite a lot that we can uh, say about them and learn from them. I've titled today's message, Preparing for Victory. And you could replace the word victory here with some other words. You could replace the word victory with success. You could replace the word victory with the words preferred future. The word victory is simply meant to represent the preferred future that we desire for the various areas of our lives and that we believe that God uh, has purposed uh, for our lives. While there's a good bit for us to learn here, I think we're going to find, well, I'm confident we'll find, that if we condense it all down into the core truth that is being communicated, uh, if we do that, we're going to find that the counsel that many of us have received from seasoned citizens season Christian citizens at uh, some point in our lives 
uh, is really good counsel. So if you've been around the church for many years at all, you've probably heard some seasoned Christian, probably some gray hair on their head, maybe a lot of gray hair on their head. Uh, Maybe they walk a little bit slower uh, than you do, but they've probably given you advice, this advice that the Proverbs affirm. Do your best and trust God with the rest. Anybody ever been given that advice? Okay, I, I, all right. Let's, let's talk about how this works. When I ask a question and I do this, it means I actually want you to respond. Anybody ever been given that advice? All right, very, very good. All right, if you've ever been told that by someone, you were given good advice. You were given godly and biblical advice. You were given advice confirmed by the Proverbs. You were the recipient of godly wisdom. And if you've ever given that advice uh, advice to another person, you were uh, giving uh, godly advice, godly uh, wisdom. So let's look at Proverbs 21, 30 and 31. Here's what it says. There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. I want you to really take in for a second, just really think about what verse 30 tells us. There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. In my Pentecostal background, just simply reading that verse would result in an eruption of shouts of praise to God. But we're a little bit more reserved than that. So we just nod approvingly. But grasp what's being said here. No force on earth. No force in the spiritual realm. No force in the entirety of the cosmos can succeed against God. There you go. (laughs) There is no plan of the devil. There is no plan of any man that is a strong enough plan to succeed against God. There is no scheme of man or the devil that can find success against God And even when it appears from our limited human perspective that God's plan is being thwarted, it isn't. It isn't. You might remember from our uh, series in the Gospel of John just recently uh, when Jesus was communicating with Pilate and it looked like Pilate had all of the power in the situation and Jesus reminded Pilate that he would have no power if it had not been given him from above. In every area of life, when it looks like God's plan and will is being thwarted, it is only because we cannot see from God's perspective. You can rest assured that no plan or scheme that comes against God will ever be ultimately successful. Now, I think it warrants mentioning here that God has chosen to respect the autonomy of individuals. And he has done so to such an extent that people can choose to take themselves outside of God's purposes and will. 
But any of our refusal to cooperate with God's purposes never ultimately thwarts God's purposes. He is going to accomplish them, and no force in earth or in hell can stop him. Now, today, if you look around the world, there are a lot of things that don't appear to be going right from a Christian perspective. Today, around the world, Christians are being killed for nothing other than identifying with Jesus. You've seen this on the news uh, quite a lot lately. Right here in the United States, religious liberty is under attack. And if you think it's not under attack, you have your head in the sand. Religious liberty is under attack. Evil forces are at work and they have plans for you. They want to limit your very ability to provide for your family if you don't hold the views that are approved of by our increasingly secular culture. There's growing hostility, uh, I believe, to the Christian faith. I think many of you are experiencing this. I was uh, talking to a, uh, a man this week who, who said that all it takes in his workplace is for him to merely mention God, mention faith, mention the church, and his co-workers become visibly angry and hostile toward him. Now, one example doesn't really make a persuasive case, uh, but lest you think that I'm uh, just creating a straw man here, I've experienced this. I know many of you have experienced this as well. There is growing hostility. We, we look around the world, and it feels as though things are out of control. It feels as though we're losing ground. And in some respects, we, we are losing ground. And in a certain sense, the world really is out of control. But I want us to be encouraged today. Though the world appears to be out of control, God is still in control. There is nothing happening in the world today that stands any chance of ultimately succeeding against the will and the power of God. Amen. We need to be reminded that Christians were martyred in the early church, but the purposes of God still prevailed. The early church was imprisoned and mistreated. They were societal outcasts, which we are increasingly becoming, and yet the purposes of God prevailed. You are serving a God that no force, no force can ever succeed against. And friends, that is reason for our hearts to be filled with joy and for praise to overflow to God. That no force can ever succeed against God is not, however, the same thing as saying that nothing bad will ever happen to any of us. Contrary to how we would choose if it was within our control, the purposes of God don't always include a comfortable and cozy life for those who belong to him. So informed by the fact that no force can succeed against the Lord, here is a key for us when we think about preparing for victory, working toward those things that we see as, as uh, you know, preferred futures within the will of God. In preparing for those, we must uh, desire and, and we must uh, allow our desires to be motivated by what God has Ordained. In other words, we must make sure that every preferred future we envision is motivated first and foremost by the purposes of God, the will of God in every area of our lives. 
motivated by the purposes and will of God, we must then keep our lives within the will of God. Most of you are familiar with the famous quote from Abraham Lincoln. He, he said, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side. No force can succeed against God. If we want victory, we must be motivated by the purposes of God. Victory for us must be God's will in every area of our lives, and we must make sure we stay aligned with God, that we keep our lives in the center of his will. And so this is the first thing uh, that we know about victory. There can be no success against God, and so if we want to be victorious, we must define victory according to to the will and purposes of God and stay on God's side. Then the first part of verse 31 addresses this question of the relationship between God's power and our efforts. Here's what it says. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. No force can succeed against God, but the horse still has to be gotten ready for the battle. The image here obviously is of a soldier, an army, preparing for a battle. Victory for the army rests with the Lord, but that reality does not relieve the army of the responsibility to be prepared. And so the soldier has to carefully prepare his horse for the coming battle. And this is a longer process than we might think. You know, we just kind of think, oh, you know, throw the saddle up on there and, you know, put the reins on and we're, we're ready to go. That was preparing the horse for battle, but it's a much bigger deal than that. Preparing a horse for battle involves caring for that horse from birth. It doesn't start out ready for battle. It involves making sure it's properly fed and nourished. It's, it involves making sure it's properly trained. It involves getting to know the horse well enough that you know how it's going to respond in different circumstances, different situations. And yes, it is. Uh, arming that horse for uh, the actual battle. And so the point here is that preparing a horse for battle requires a lot of work. It requires a lot of human effort, a lot of planning. It requires a lot of intentional action. No force can succeed against the Lord. Victory rests with the Lord, but some person still has to get the horse prepared for battle. There there is a role for us in the plans of God, and the role involves intentionality, planning, organization, and dare I say it, a whole lot of of effort, a whole lot of effort. One of the worst misunderstandings I've seen some Christians have is when they come to the place of thinking that because God is omnipotent and sovereign, because nothing can succeed against him, that it really does not matter what they do or if they just choose to do nothing. They pass it off as being really insightful and spiritual But the reality is they're misinformed and often, don't tell them I said so, but often they're a bit lazy. Not in the church, I know. And once again, unless you think I've created a straw man, I have personally engaged with folks who take this approach. I like, I've seen them, I've, I've talked to them. 
you know, it's, it's all God. There's nothing for me to do. God's all powerful. What I do doesn't really matter. So I'll just watch Netflix 12 hours a day. And uh, God's going to do what God's going to do. Here's what Proverbs, nothing wrong with watching Netflix, by the way. I, I do it pretty regularly. But uh, 12 hours a day is a problem. Here's what Proverbs 21, 30 and 31 makes very clear to us. God expects us to do what we can to plan well, to work hard, to exert some effort, whether it's fulfilling some career objective that we believe God is pleased with, whether it's being the parents that God has called us to be, whether it's working for the good of our city, our state, our country, whether it is doing evangelism. God expects us to do our best, to give our best, to do what we can. His power and ultimate victory does not negate the need for us to prepare and to engage the battle. God's going to fight the battle, but he is going to work in and through the soldiers on the field who have prepared well for the battle that they are fighting. And so I hope that we can lay to rest once and for all the notion that God is all-powerful, and because he is, there is nothing for us to do. Whatever the preferred future that we believe to be God's will, We are called to work for that preferred future, doing the best we can while understanding that victory rests with the Lord. And here's something else that I think is worth noting. When there is something that God calls us to, when there is something that is clear that it is within his will and his purposes that he is calling us to participate in, he expects us to prepare and engage whether or not victory or success seems likely or unlikely. Here's something we know. It's God's will that none of our neighbors, none of our family members, none of our coworkers would perish, but that every single one of them would come to repentance. We know this. And yet at the same time, we know that many of those people are not only disinterested in Christ, but they're actually hostile to faith, hostile to the church, hostile to God. Here is what God does not call us to do. He does not call us to calculate the odds of success before we prepare and engage in reaching our friends and family with the gospel. He doesn't call us to do that. He calls us to just share the good news. Now, now we can be smart about it, we can, we can be wise, we can prayerfully consider when's the right time to engage, and what should I say, and what should I not say, and when do I need to pray rather than speak? You know, there's a lot of wisdom that can be applied here, but what he doesn't call us to do is calculate the odds and say, okay, I think that person is too hard of a case, I don't think the gospel can reach them, and so that's really just not worth the effort. He does not call us to make those determinations. When we work for the cause of the unborn in this country, and I'm just always so grateful that Jarrell Godsey, one of our members and leaders, is the vice president of Heartbeat International and just vocationally is working for the cause of the unborn. And this is a church that cares about the unborn and, and, and we, we do what we can to, uh, to, to help in that area. But when we think about the cause of the unborn in this country, I don't think that God calls us to calculate the odds and to say, well, you know, this percentage of the population seems to disagree with us. And, and, and you know, legislation for a lot of years has kind of been against us. And, you know, it's all just like, 
it's just not worth the effort. The odds are too, too great. Again, so God doesn't call us to do that. He, he doesn't call us to say, okay, the odds are just too high, so this isn't worth the effort. No, if something is good and right before God, if something is within the plans and purposes of God, something is his will, he expects for us to prepare and engage the enemy no matter what the odds against us are. There is a place for pragmatism when preparing for battle, but when God is involved, the pragmatic approach is not always the right approach. Think about some of the greatest stories in the Bible. Think about Gideon. He, he, he was, his, his little band of people were aligned against an army of thousands upon thousands upon thousands. And here was the plan, okay? If you're not familiar with the, the story of Gideon, here, here was the plan. His little group of just a, a few hundred men were uh, to encircle this camp of hundreds of thousands. They were to blow trumpets, break these clay jars that were hiding torches, break those so the torches would be revealed, and then holler real loud. That's the plan. How many of you want to take a couple hundred people or so out against an army of thousands upon thousands, and that's the strategy? Now imagine, imagine that, you know, we're in the time where you're actually physically fighting an enemy, and, and, and I'm your leader, and I come to you at a congregational meeting, and I say, okay, here's our strategy for success, okay? The, uh, the North Korean army is camped over there at... Uh, <laughs> Kirkersville, and, uh, and, uh, and we're going to circle Kirkersville with trumpets, torches. We're going to blow the trumpet. We're going to break the, uh, the pot over the torch, going to show the torch, and then we're going to holler real loud. How many of you are following me? Be honest. Be honest. There are a few of you, but there's not many. There's not many. No. Brian, go right ahead. If it'll work with 200, it'll work with one, so you just go do it. <laughs> Show us the way. <laughs> that was the plan. That was the plan. From a human perspective, I mean, I, I mean, no offense to God, but from a human perspective, it's a ridiculous plan. But God gave the victory. God gave the victory. The, the plan for seeing the walls of Jericho fall. It's equally as preposterous. Walk around the walls, blow trumpets, sing songs, shout real loud. I mean, these walls were, were wide enough for a couple of chariots to like race on the top of them. And, and you're gonna, you really think that the way those are gonna fall is you walk around them, you shout, you blow trumpets, you praise. That's how that's going to happen. Actually, yes. That's what they did. And God gave the victory. Now, none of this means that God calls us to be irrational. He doesn't. But here's what he does call us to do. He, he calls us to recognize that he is greater than the odds against us. And he calls us to recognize that he knows things we don't know. He knows this is a good plan for victory because it's his plan for victory. 
So he just calls us to cooperate. It means he wants us to understand that what is impossible according to human reasoning is not impossible with him. He's greater than our fears. He is greater than our calculations of the odds against us. He's greater than the enemies we face. And so if God is directing us, he calls us to prepare and engage to obey instead of allowing the long odds to cause us to shrink back as if there is some foe out there that is more powerful than he is. There can be no success against God. God expects his people to prepare for battle, to prepare for victory, to engage in the fight. But then verse 31 lets us know that victory rests with the Lord. Verse 30 taught that there can be no success against God. And now verse 31 teaches that there can be no success without God. Anytime we think that victory is within our power, that good planning and proper organization and working hard enough are all we need. And really, God, you know, we've got this one. We can handle this one on our own. Verse 31 lets us know the limits of human preparation. You can do your best, and yet victory is the domain of God. Victory rests with the Lord. We are absolutely called to prepare, but God is ultimately the giver of every victory, of every success. We're called to tell people about Jesus, but they can only receive him if the Holy Spirit empowers their ability to do so, awakens their heart to the truth about Jesus. We're to plan for our God-ordained careers and ministries, all the while understanding that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And it is the, it is the work of the Lord, it is the domain of the Lord to match preparation and opportunity. We, 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 we can't, by the sheer force of our will, create opportunity. Many of us have learned this. All of us need to learn this. This is the domain of God. We prepare. God provides us with the opportunity. And when our preparation and our seeking out opportunity have not brought to us the opportunities that we desire, we're called to continue to trust that God is still involved, that he is still leading us and guiding us, and we must continue doing our best and trusting God with the rest. And one thing that I want to be clear that I, I, I just want to make sure we understand properly is this phrase, do your best and trust God with the rest, doesn't mean that we have our part and then God has his part. That, that's not what it means. It's all God's part. God's in charge of all of it. It just means he gives us stuff to do within his plan. It's not like this is me and I do this stuff. This is God. He only does the stuff. No, God does it all. I just cooperate with what God's doing. Here's what Zechariah 4, 6, and 7 says. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Not by might, 
nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Friends, I don't think this is just the word of the Lord for Zerubbabel. I think this is the word of the Lord for all who belong to Christ. We are not on our own when it comes to fulfilling the will and purposes of God in our lives. It is not our might or power that makes the difference. It is the empowering of God's spirit that makes the difference and brings the victory. David understood this. He understood this as he raced out to meet Goliath when everyone else was fearful of doing so. What David say? He said to Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Now understand David had a weapon. He was spinning the sling around his head. He was about to release the stone and it was going to go right into the middle of Goliath's forehead. The, the weapon had a role to play, but David knew that it really wasn't about the weapon. It was about the Lord. He gives the victory. What has God called you to do that seems too big for you? What is the preferred future, the vision of a preferred future that God has given you? It's it's from him, but it seems beyond your reach. It seems unrealistic. The reality is, is that it might be beyond your reach. The reality is, it probably is unrealistic uh, for you. But it is not beyond God's reach. And it is not unrealistic for God. If it is the plan and purpose of God, it's going to succeed regardless of how the odds appear from our limited human perspective. Friends, I I desire to be a person. I desire this to be a church. I desire us to be a people who truly believe deep down in our being that nothing is too difficult for God. That when we're called to do things that seem to be too much for us, seem to be beyond our ability, that we would remember they aren't too much for God. They are not beyond God's capabilities. That we would look at opportunities and we would not be dissuaded by the challenges that are aligned against those opportunities. But we would look at those challenges And then we would look at our God and we would say, if God be for us, who can be against us? I don't know about you, but I don't want to forever live my life as the 10 who came back and reported after surveying the promised land, hey, you know what? Uh, There's a lot of giants over there and you know, we're just not up to this. I don't want to be those people. I want to be Joshua and Caleb who survey the land, who admit there's some really big people over there who aren't going to like us coming in, who admit that, you know what? It's kind of a ferocious looking bunch we're going to have to take down to gain the promised land, but we can do it. That's what I want to be. That's what I want this church to be. That's the kind of people that I want us to be. If God be for us, who can be against us? Look, you really have not ever met 
a more cautious person than I am. You, you really have never met a more risk-averse person uh, than me. But I am not willing to be limited to only what can be accomplished by good, solid planning and effort. I want us to live according to how powerful God is, not how powerful we are. How powerful God is, what he can do in his strength, not only what we can do in our strength. You've heard it said, at least many of you have probably heard this said, and it's uh, very true. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. For those of you from Outville, that's risk. Faith is, <laughs> faith is spelled risk. <laughs> you are looking a little somber. I just had to throw, throw something in there. Is it better if I say Luray instead of Outville? Luray? Luray? We'll go with Luray. All right, all right. All right. Here's a great benefit that comes from understanding the victory rest with the Lord. It allows us to work hard, to do our very best, but then rest peacefully knowing that the results are in God's hands. The results are the domain of God. They, they just are. It's not all on you. It's not all on me. We can't, by the sheer force of our will, accomplish anything. We need to be engaged in working for the salvation of our friends and family, but it's not all on us. We're just called to do our part, to do what we can, to be faithful, to bear witness to the gospel. And then we can rest peacefully we can sleep well at night knowing that the results of that, the, the fruit of that, that is up to God. We can do everything we can to fulfill the potential that God has placed within each one of us for our careers, for our parenting, for our relationships, for every area of our lives. But as long as we really give God our very best, we can rest peacefully trusting the results of our efforts to God. Other people's salvation, other people's well-being, the cause of the unborn, holding back the tide of secularism in our culture, those things are all beyond any of our capabilities to control. So we simply do what God has called us to do, and then we can rest peacefully knowing he is in control of all of it. He's in control, and victory ultimately rests with him. There can be no success against God, God expects his people to prepare for battle and to engage the fight for victory, and there can be no success without God. Those are the lessons that we learn from Proverbs 21, 30, and 31, this book of godly wisdom. And friends, this counsel is applicable to every area of our lives. Whatever the preferred future is that you see for your life, if, if the vision for that future is motivated by and within the will of God, then you absolutely need to believe that nothing can succeed against God. You need to work as hard and smart as you can to see that vision fulfilled. But you also need to understand that ultimate victory rests with the Lord and just be at peace with that truth. Here is our role. It is faithfulness to the vision that God gives us. But fruitfulness, success, victory 
That is God's domain. And we can leave it to him in peace. So plan. Plan well. Work. Work hard. But don't trust your planning. Don't trust your work. Trust God alone. Here's what the 20th Psalm verse 7 says. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. May this be true of every single one of us here today. May we avail ourselves of what chariots and horses can accomplish, but may we never place our trust in anything or anyone but the Lord. There can be no success against God. There can be no success without God. This is true. This is reassuring. If we will believe this, it is cause for increased confidence. It is cause for increased peace. It is cause for increased joy. Why don't you stand up?